for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Chris Carvel. How's it going today, Chris? Hey, Tom. Good. Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Excited to have you. It's been a while since we've had somebody from Australia on the podcast. I would say probably November was the last time we had somebody on. I was sitting here. I was trying to figure that out because usually... Uh, last year, it seemed like, or the last two years, honestly, we've had somebody at least once every other week from Australia, whether it's Sydney, Brisbane, you know, wherever it is. And for whatever reason, this year just hasn't been that way. So excited to have you on, excited to chat yeah. a little bit. Um, so first Yeah, really off, excited to be here. Yeah. And so first off, before we kind of jump into the new album you got releasing next year, and all that fun stuff. Uh, what's kind of your background story? What got you into music? You know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, I guess primarily what I am is more of a guitarist. So I started um, playing guitar as a teenager, like 16, you know, friends from school playing together. Um, my dad was also like a bit of a guitar player. So when I started playing, he kind of helped me out in the initial stages. Um, and then really what got me into music was... Um, Jimi Hendrix was probably the first guy that I heard. Um, before that, I didn't really have much of a interest in music, but when I started hearing his guitar playing, it just blew me away. Um, I would listen to his solos like access Boulder's love and, and, um, those albums. And just, I just listened to those solos again and again, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So it became like, like crack addiction to me. And, um, so pretty soon I just, I just started playing them myself because that sort of happens naturally. And um, played guitar sort of all my life since then, since the age of sort of 16. Um, but then sort of branched out into other types of music, um, you know, a bit of jazz, a bit of classical, but always sort of that, that blues rock and then punk rock was like my roots, um, what I was interested in. Um, in terms of where this album came from, um, I was sort of working for a long time as a sales manager for about four years. So this album, I didn't really intend to write an album or produce an album. I just um, quit my job uh, end of 2020 and just decided I'm going to do whatever I want. And I guess music was what I wanted. So um, I just spent you know months just playing guitar, singing, doing whatever I wanted. And pretty soon I was like, oh, I better record this music. It's pretty good. I liked it. So um, you know that's where the album came about. And it kind of just was a natural thing. And um yeah, that's where we sort of got the album from in the end. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we'll definitely be getting to the album here in a second, uh, just to kind of focus in on you a little bit and your musical journey. Um, so you yeah. you qu uh, left your job in 2020 to pursue music full-time. But um, yeah. at what when did you start kind of playing music professionally before, before that? Um. I mean, I had only had a few gigs before that. So really I started playing professionally in 2021. So, you know, last year. Yeah. So yeah. it's been about a year and, and a bit now, a year and a quarter. Gotcha. That I've been playing like as a professional. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's all 
brand new to you Ed, within the last year, year and a half or so? Yeah, this is all very new. So like, yeah, trying to figure out what the industry is doing is all new stuff to me. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so as, as through the last year and some change, uh, what's kind of the process been like to kind of figure out what kind of musician you wanted to be, what kind of sounds you had, who are you listening to? You know, what, what's that journey kind of been like for you? Yeah. Um, the, I guess top three, like Jimi Hendrix started me off and then I found the red hot chili peppers and specifically John Frusciante from that band, the, the guitarist. Um, if you're a fan of the band, you probably know John Frusciante. Uh, he was probably the number one, like biggest impact on me throughout my whole sort of uh, journey. So listening to his solo records, I don't know if you've heard his first one, Neandra Ladez and usually just a t-shirt. Um, yeah. kind of a, yeah, it's like an album that he put together in his apartment and, you know, without any sort of real producer or anything. And, um, it's, it just sounds like a demo because that's how it was sort of designed. It was designed as more of a demo album. Then he decided to release it, you know, midway through his heroin addiction um, in the nineties, he just decided I'm going to release this music. So most people hearing that album would probably be like, what is, what is this? It's not even music, but yeah. I heard it and I was just, I loved it. And I love the, the fact that it's so raw and just real. And he didn't try to do anything, you know, that was the mainstream. He just did whatever he wanted. And um, so that kind of sparked my, my musical creativity. So I think a lot of that comes from, from John Frusciante and his solo music. Um, that was a big inspiration on me. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, um, as you're kind of, as you got to the point where you quit your job, had you already started writing at that point or where, where did you kind of start? No. no. Yeah. I was, um, cause I was just, I was sending little, little covers and little bits of recordings to my girlfriend who was overseas in Myanmar where she's from. Um, so I was sort of doing a little bit of recording, but really just amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hadn't really written or recorded any songs, um, at that point. And I think it's sort of, for most people, for me anyway, it was sort of impossible, like working the way I was full time, you know, it, it strains so much of your energy that yeah. I didn't really have anything left to put into music, you know, yeah. despite what, what some people try to do both, but I've just, at some point it just got to the point where it was impossible for me, um, to do both. So yeah, I left that. And then I guess I was just jamming in my mom's garage for a mm. couple of months on my looping pedal. Um, and that's when the ideas came. So, you know, I, a lot of the album was written just by me playing guitar on my looping pedal and just, you know, having a chord progression and then writing, you know, a, a lead piece over that. And when I found mm. something I like, I'd just record it. And then later on, I'd pick it apart and um, turn it into a song. Nice. That's where it sort of started. And I, and I just get up, yeah, do that every day. Cool. Cool. And, uh, so as you're kind of going through the creative process of writing music and like your whole process behind it, um, how many songs did you end up? like, how many songs are going to end up being on the album versus how many songs you wrote? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's going to be nine album, uh, nine songs on the album. Mm -hmm. The album's called Megalomaniac. So nine, nine tracks, but I actually probably wrote, I mean, anywhere from 20 to 30 songs, mm-hmm. depending on. Um, so I recorded a lot of stuff, but I really just picked the, the stuff that I liked the best. And then I worked on that to turn them into songs. 
but I probably I'd say I'd wrote I wrote at least twenty songs, and I'm only releasing nine at the moment. Okay. Yeah. And how did you kind of go through the process of uh, whittling them down to the twenty songs to nine songs, and just kind of pick the nine that you wanted? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny in the early stages, like I was writing music that actually in the early stages I was writing music, I'd say wasn't really me. I was sort of, I was doing a lot of stuff that was still good music, but it was kind of like I was copying something and I, yeah. I could kind of, I could feel that. I could feel that I was sort of just doing whatever I had heard yesterday and trying to make it sound like that. Cause it was commercially attractive. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of did that for a while. I got that out of my system. And then I started writing songs that, I, that were more me. Um, and I think I can't really describe it, but you kind of know when a song is, is, is real and it comes from your heart versus like when you're just trying to do something that other people will like. Um, so the whittling process was like when I, I just knew that this song was, was me and it was genuine and that made it on the list. And then I had a list of about 12 that made it. And then by the time I sort of went through and did the bass and the drums and everything, I, I knocked a few off because like, ah, it doesn't really make sense with this album. You know, it's kind of totally different. So I picked the ones that would make sense to, to with each other and maybe leave the others for, for a different album. Um, but, makes, but yeah, yeah. That's that makes pretty sense. much how I did it. Was there a specific point that you kind of finally realized that you weren't being, when you were writing music, you were, weren't being authentic to yourself and you were kind of copying something whatever whatever it was yeah i realized it immediately okay yeah i realized it immediately like you know even while i was while i was singing a demo track for it uh and just coming up with some melodies and, and stuff and vocals i could just feel that it wasn't really me you know because i know my style i know what I, who i am yeah. and um yeah but not that there's anything wrong with that i, I still enjoyed like writing poppy you know lovey-dovey sort of mm -hmm. songs for a while um but pretty soon you get that out of your system. It's like you open the tap and it's dirty water and then eventually the clean stuff comes out. So yeah, it was kind of that for me um, in a way, but also I didn't really put any pressure on myself to write music. Like in the beginning, I wasn't even trying to write music. I was, I was thinking I'm going to join some band and just have fun and sort of go on tour or something, but the music kind of just came naturally. Um, but I wasn't trying to put any pressure or any sort of outcome. It was more just enjoying myself getting up every morning and being like, Oh, what, what could I make today? What sort of sounds could come out of my amplifier, you know, today. And I was just excited for that really you know, yeah. more than anything else. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So was it, it was kind of one of those situations you were like making music you thought people wanted to hear instead of music that you wanted to make. Is that kind of what was going on? Definitely. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and that's sort of just part of finding your own character, I think. Yeah. For, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so as far as the uh, upcoming album, have you announced a release date for it yet? Uh, not yet. Cause I haven't sent it yet to the distributor, but um, it'll be sometime in March. So next month. Um, yeah. Gotcha. So it's, you know, between two to four weeks from now, really. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And you said that uh, if everyone can, if everyone goes to my Facebook, Oh, sorry. I was going to say yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, I've got, I'm going to release the dates and everything. So if you, if they follow me there, they can sort of keep updated on when it's actually coming out. Gotcha. No problem. Yeah. Sorry. The lag here was throwing me off a little bit. There's a little bit of a lag between us. So it was like, oh, yeah. I hope, I hope he's good. done talking. So I'm going to jump in. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, anyway, so you said, what, what's the uh, name of the album again? Megalomaniac. Megalomaniac. And how did yeah. you, why did you decide to call it that? Um, well, that was the name of one of the, I guess, the, the lead song or the intro song. Um, and why I called it that. That song came about, again, just from a random sort of jam I was having with myself and um, adding layers on, on layers of different guitar solos. Um, and that song, it's kind of a, a mashup of all my different, I guess, personalities musically. So, there's a, you know, it goes through a lot of different progressions of like blues and funk and um, rock and it kind of changes and chops a lot. It's a sort of a long guitar solo. So, yeah, I called it that because it's just sort of a, a word that to me describes sort of a multi-personality state and a crazy state, which is sort of how I was feeling at the time when I, when I wrote that, that song. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mashup of all my different musical sides, personalities, um, inspirations, I guess. Yeah. Of writing music. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that, that'll come out. And I just like, I just like the way the word is. Gotcha. Yeah, I just like this, the word, just a cool word. Yeah. Gotcha. So, the, and that, that'll come out in March. And um, are you working on any uh, like musical video elements for it? Or is it just going to kind of be the album standalone for now? Yeah. I mean, for now, it's just standalone. Like it's releasing on Spotify and all of the um, streaming platforms. I mean, if, yeah, if, if a song catches on, we might do like a video for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we're going to do little sort of bits of, of releasing it with little videos in the background, just like little samples on Facebook and stuff. But we're not, we don't have any plans for like a big um, music video or anything yet at this point. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so as, as the, you're about two, anywhere from two to four weeks, maybe six weeks before this thing releases, what's kind of going yeah. through your head right now? Oh, um, not much really just getting the mastering done is the main thing. Yeah. Um, making sure all the tracks are as good as they can be. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really, my attitude towards music has always been that I don't really care too much about whether people like it or not. Um, and I want to get it out there, get people aware of it, obviously get them to have a listen, but if they don't like it, that's fine. It's not really meant to be liked by everybody. Um, so to me, I just want to do what, what I enjoy and express myself. And then the people that want to hear it and like it, then they can come and enjoy it. And that's really it. So I'm not really, again, I'm not putting too much pressure on myself to, you know, to have a certain response from a certain audience or anything like that. Um, So, you know, just excited. We'll see what happens really see where where it takes us. Hey, that's the perfect way to be. You know, it's, if you're not worried about the outcomes or how people take to the music, then there's no way you can be disappointed as long as you're happy with it. That's all that matters. Right. That's, that's it. Yeah. I I totally agree. Like I never really, the point was never to to have a particular outcome. Um, that wasn't sort of, that would sort of defeat the purpose of getting into music for me because it really is just about self-expression. And I also think like, if you look at a lot of the great bands and, and musicians, when they didn't, when they weren't sort of worried about the audience and the outcome, they produced their, some of their best work. Um, so that's the type of music that I like is music that wasn't done for a particular audience or, or a particular company, you know, record label needed this result and mm-hmm. so forth. So, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, have, since uh, I know Australia has been under severe lockdowns on and off for the last, two, I guess, two years at this point, um, have mm-hmm. you had a chance to get out and play any live shows? Because I know occasionally there's live shows that happen out there, but have you had a chance to get out and do any? Yeah, well, fortunately, we actually have. Like, I'm, I'm also in a band called Fathom, um, mm-hmm. which is also on Instagram and Spotify as well. Um, and we've had, yeah, we've had a few shows. We had about three this year and two last year. So we kind of, we had a six month sort of just stoppage from, yeah. from July to December last year. Oh, wow. But this year we've had another three gigs. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. But yeah, six, six months, basically lockdown as far as, you know, four to six, depending on, you know, when you got vaccinated and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, a bit lucky. We've, we've had some gigs. And that's all just in Sydney, right? Cause it kind of depends on what part of the country you live in. As far as yeah, lockdown. that's right. Yeah, there was definitely like state lockdown, so no one really wanted to go to another state because you never know if you're going to get trapped there. Um, yeah. So especially Victoria. So yeah, uh, we've all yeah just been sticking to Sydney for now. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Yeah. And then, cool. So, um, kind of going back to you a little bit, we'll we'll come back to the the album and plans for 2022 moving forward. Are you originally born raised? in Australia or where are you from originally? Yeah, I am. I'm born and raised in Australia, in Sydney. Um, but my parents are from overseas. So you probably tell from my olive Mediterranean style skin that my mom's from Egypt and my dad is half, half British, half Greek. So, um, yeah, but I was born here. Myself. Okay. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. You know, cause it's interesting. You've, I talked a lot of the musicians that I talked to that are in Australia immigrated to Australia through various different reasons, whether they came over for oh, really? work or, you know, they immigrated over, you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting. I yeah, right. would have never thought that uh, a lot or a lot people would immigrate over into Australia. It just for me, like as an American, it just was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Mm. But now it's just, it's oh, yeah. normal. Yeah. I guess we do have a lot of um, immigrants coming in. Well, at least we did in the past. I'm not sure about now, but Australia, the States, Canada, probably yeah. like, yeah, I guess the top three that sort of take people in. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing I mean, I'm not too, I'm not a huge politician guy, but I'm yeah. just, yeah. From uh, what I know. Same boat. I, I just kind of, believe what I believe. And then as I learn information, it's like, Oh, that's cool. I will retain that. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> That's it. Well, I've learned a lot. Like I've just had the experience of kind of learning about the Australian music scene. Cause it's pretty small, like to be, to, from what I can see. And, and like, as a new artist trying to come in, it's not really very accessible. I'm guessing, I think the States would generally be easier to get into music. Um, but, but I'm just starting to sort of now open up to the Australian music scene and learn about bands like, that I never would have heard of if I wasn't a musician myself. Um, yeah. So like, you know, we just played with Avenue and the Ginger Bakers last night, okay. which is a, two you know really great bands um, here in Sydney, just like local bands, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you never really hear about them. So um, I think people coming into the Australian music scene, like there isn't that much out there to support them. So I think like what you guys are doing is great because giving someone like a platform to kind of talk and, and get a bit of exposure. Yeah. So, 
one of the uh, very first uh, international interviews that we did was with a, a uh, acoustic slash hip hop artist uh, out of Sydney. Um, oh, yeah. Back in, it was actually like right around this time in 2020. So, uh, and then oh. she opened the door for some other musicians to come in. And then it's just kind of, uh, it, it's quite funny because I've often said if I ever just picked up and moved to Sydney, I'd be in a better position than I am now as far as like musicians supporting what we do because I know mm-hmm. more people in Sydney or more musicians in Sydney than I do musicians where I live in Texas. All right. There you go. Which is, which is kind of funny yeah. and interesting considering I've never been yeah. to Sydney. So, yeah, that, that's, that is funny. You probably know more than I do at this point. Cause I'm, you know, just getting into it. So yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, given the fact that you've been a musician during a good part of lockdown and haven't really had mm-hmm. a chance to get out there and, you know, other than yeah. the, like a couple of handful of shows, but yeah. Yeah. Well, my first impression of the music scene in Sydney, when I first started to get into it was, this is like all dead. I couldn't find anybody. I was like, where is everybody? Um, but it took a while. And then now, now I'm starting to sort of meet people and, kind of you go from one band to another and they'll introduce you to a you know a band that you never heard of and, and it kind of snowballs. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. I got to kind of hang in there for a while. I, I'm sure I could introduce you to a whole bunch of bands you ain't never heard of that are like yeah, really yeah. good. And it, it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's a, like the city. Yeah. It's blowing me away. Yeah. Specifically in Sydney. I think the music scene there is if like, as far as like cities, it's got to be like one of the top 10 mm-hmm. independent music cities that mm-hmm. I've seen since I started doing live and amplified. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm only just sort of reaching now the point where I can see that. Whereas for a while I was like, where is everybody? And you know, there's no one around, but um, yeah, it comes slowly. You start to f- figure things out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, and then you mentioned that you have a girlfriend that lives uh, internationally. Where'd you, yeah, well, actually, we just got married, so um, okay. she's here now um, okay. with me in Australia. So she's been good. She's actually been helping out a lot with the release of the album. Um, she actually made the cover art that you can see on the Facebook page. Um, it says Megalomaniac. It's kind of like yeah. a very colorful. She actually sort of did the photo shoot and everything, um, and she kind of made that artistic image, so we didn't have to get someone else to do the um, the cover art, which yeah. is good. That's always- she's been helping out a bunch. That's always yeah. awesome when you have somebody that's able to do that, you know, just like close to you that you don't have to worry about hiring somebody yeah. in and all that. So, but um, anyways, so sorry, I thought it, thought the computer froze there for a second. Um, yeah, she's pretty much been been my manager, my PR team. Yeah, pretty much doing everything. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And then um. So going back to uh, Megalomaniac, um, hopefully six, four to six weeks, you think, for a release? Yeah, yeah. Definitely in March will be the latest um, to be released. We're, just, we're about to send it through now to the distributor and um, get them to do that. I know they take a bit of time. That's yeah. the only reason why um, it's going to be next month. But it's pretty much yeah, ready to go. It's just a matter of releasing now and, uh, and getting that. Yeah, getting it through the distributor. Gotcha. For everybody that's out there listening right now, uh, what's one thing you hope they take away from this album or you 
you know, what's one thing you want them to know about this album before it releases? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the first thing is it's a album that's made by just, by just myself. So it's more of a personal album. Um, you'll notice that it's kind of weird in, in the sense that there's guitars and vocals, but then there's also like sample drums and, and a lot of sort of electronic, it's almost like a, a fusion of electronic music with blues and, and rock music. Uh, so it's not, it's not the mainstream typical album that you're going to hear. It's kind of different. It's a bit left of center. Um, so you have to kind of take that from that perspective. Um, and I kind of made it as I was learning. So I was learning how to do music production and sampling and, and playing a synth as I was sort of making the album. So you'll hear it get progressively kind of more skillful and, and um, as you sort of go through the album. So um, you kind of have to go into it with that. If you go into it expecting that it's like a million dollar production, you might be disappointed. Um, yeah. And at the same time, you can sort of hear how I've developed as a musician independently as you listen to each song. And I guess the takeaway from that, if anyone's sort of wondering, can they do it um, without having a million dollars in their bank account, they can, they can sort of be confident that yes, they can do it. If you are sort of someone that has inspiration and you want, you have something you want to say musically, um, you don't need to have all the amazing expensive gear and studio and all that. You can sort of do it yourself and it can be a really awesome piece of artwork. Um, mm. And that's probably the one thing that if someone takes that away from it, I'll be pretty happy. For sure. For sure. And what was the uh, recording process like? Did you go into a proper studio or did you do all that yourself as well? Yeah. I ended up just recording it in my apartment in Annandale. Um, yeah, I was going to go into a studio, but I recorded all the vocals, like the demo vocals in my apartment. And then I just liked them so much that I didn't want to try and re-record them. So I pretty much decided to just use them. Um, so yeah, it was all just recorded in and mixed in my uh, in my little studio apartment in Annandale. Yeah. Gotcha. And so... And you're uh, sending it off, uh, sending it off and have, having somebody master them? Yeah, that's right. So I still worked with an engineer. Um, uh, his name's Elijah. So he's actually a really great engineer I found. And he's basically just doing the mixing and the mastering. So um, just making sure that it's still at a level where everyone can enjoy this high quality production. Um, obviously, if I just tried to do the mixing and mastering on my own, especially without a studio, it, it'd be pretty, you know, it might be a bit dodgy. So I, I just sent it off to a proper engineer to do it you know, the right way, obviously. For sure. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, it's, it's easy enough to make the recording sound well on your end, as long as you understand the, the idea of room acu acoustics and like getting a clean recording, but ma yeah. mixing and mastering, if you screw that up there, there, there's no, no going around that one. So sending it off. Yeah. And I learned that lesson the hard way. Like yeah. Yeah. Like it kind of drove me crazy. Cause I loved the way I, I mixed them in my own sort of headphones and I loved it. And then I'd pop it on like my phone speaker or another speaker and it would sound totally different. Um, so that's where the magic of like a proper engineer comes in. So, um, yeah, I would recommend people do that before releasing music for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, w once the, uh, album comes out, what, what's kind of the uh, plan for the rest of 2022? Yeah, we are planning to do some live shows um, in Sydney, but even sort of all across Australia. So 
um, I'm keen to do that. Obviously just going to wait and see the response like on Facebook and, and Instagram. Yeah. So all of our sort of upcoming promotion is all done online right now. Um, so, you know, if there's, if there's enough interest out there, we'll definitely book like live shows. Um, I'll be pretty keen to do that. It'll be more of an intimate sort of feel, um, you know, just being a one man sort of band. So, um, but if people are keen on that, I'm planning to do live shows, hopefully starting from May and then going for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's assuming that we don't go into, or you don't go into lockdown again, but that's right. Yeah. I think we're kind of at a point now where lockdown shouldn't be as big of a concern, but what do I know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't know either. Like I don't think anyone can predict, but yeah. I guess what I've heard is that they're not going to do any more lockdowns. It's sort of, we have to live with it now. Yeah. Um, Cause like, hopefully... I mean, we're two years into this thing and it's like, all right, let's, let, let's get it going. So. Yeah. That's how I feel personally is like, you know, there's only so much you can do before you start doing more damage than you're actually fixing. So yep. Um, yeah. I'm hoping we don't do another lockdown. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So anyways, um, just kind of moving forward uh, outside of music, obviously full-time musician at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. when it's time to take a break, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do outside of music? Oh yeah. I mean, aside from kind of playing guitar, listening to music, playing with my band, um, I don't do much else except just go out with friends, you know, get some drinks, and I love, I love a good road trip. So I do a lot of that sort of traveling up and down the coast, um, playing. I love listening to podcasts and just playing the game of Tetris and just zoning out and kind of, just, you know, listening to a good podcast. So, um, that's really what I do, but I, I I've spent the last year just doing nothing but music mm-hmm. and hanging out with my wife now. So, um, yeah, in terms of hobbies, like I've kind of made, made my hobby, my, also my full-time career. So I don't really have another hobby on the side. Um, oh, I also had a chance like, you know, to read a lot of books. So I've been reading a lot of like philosophy books and um, fiction, like Dostoevsky's books from mm. 1800s. I've been really getting into that. Yeah. So um, that's sort of my other pastime. And a lot of what I've sort of been reading has, I think has crept into my, my music writing and my lyrics because um, you can sort of, you can, can feel that sometimes when you read something, it just sort of creeps into your, your lyrics in the end. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then obviously hobbies are something that you need any, because man, it, it's so funny because I, I'm in, I've been in that same boat where I devote so much of my time to uh, like the musical, not, I'm not a musician, but to the live and amplified thing that everybody's mm-hmm. like, you're going to burn yourself out. You need to go get a hobby, something outside of this. And I was like, well, I thought this was my hobby. And it's like, not when it takes up 12 hours of your day, (laughs) it's not a hobby at that point. You need to go find something to kind of take take your mind off of stuff. And so the fact that you get a chance to go for a drive, play Tetris, listen to podcasts, read, you know, that, that ultimately in the long run, that's going to be good for your musical career. Yeah. There is sort of a limiting thing about constantly trying to push yourself further and further without sort of having an outlet or a break. I think that can be uh, produce a certain strain 
that can eventually be a limiting sort of thing. Um, but I was like, yeah, I mean, when I, when I quit my job and stuff, the days would just completely go by. I'd spend 12 hours like mixing a song and, and, or playing something and I wouldn't even notice the days just gone. So I think there's also a really a freedom into sort of making a, your hobby your full-time sort of profession. Cause then you don't really notice like during lockdown, it was three months, but for the first two months I was totally happy to just be on my own and, um, and just write music, you know? Yeah. And that's actually what a lot of the other musicians and bands told me is that they love lockdown because they could just spend all their time thinking of new music. Um, so yeah, I kind of think it's, it's both, but, but um, it's good when you can make your hobby, like your, your full-time career. Um, then you don't really necessarily need like an outlet because you already have it in a way. So yeah, for sure. I yeah. completely understand. So do um, you got the new album dropping four to six weeks? We'll go with that. Uh, if anybody wants to check out yeah. the uh, any updated information on that or um, any upcoming shows, where's the uh, best place for them to do that? At the moment, it'd be Facebook um, and Instagram. Uh, I'll be updating everything like on there. So I've got a Facebook page, Chris Carvel. And my Instagram is Chris Carvel official. So same thing, but with official at the end. Um, so if you guys, if everyone just follows me there, uh, I'll be posting whatever I'm doing. You know, uh, there'll be a pre-save Spotify link as well. So you can pre-save the album before it even comes out. Um, so I'll be posting all, all that on my social media now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you. And hopefully later on this yeah. year, after the album does amazing and everybody knows about you, we can get you back on here to talk about what's coming up next, whether it's another album, you know, whatever it might be. So I'm really excited to see where your music career goes and where you take things. So uh, I just want to first off, thank you for joining us and hanging out with us. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Tom. I've had a great time as well. Really nice to, to meet you as well. Very nice to meet you. Uh, thank you. every Once again, thank you for hanging out. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you all on Monday.